Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we've got a lot to get to. We have Arch Stapleton in the van, uh, mm. interview at the end of this. Training camp started. Andrew Thomas got his contract, and we got a live event coming up. Justin, how are you doing? Woo-wee! It's the best time of year. Bobby Skinner, we're together. We've had a great week. We've had an awesome, an awesome week. Thanks, everybody, that's come up and said hi to us. Thanks for everybody that's been hanging out in the post-practice live streams. It's been like pretty hype it's been like 700 800 people uh on a thursday and it was about like a thousand people uh the first day which was a ton of fun so we got a lot of talk to bobby skinner we have some announcements so let's get to it yeah uh want to start with the andrew thomas stuff because there's really not much to talk about it but first this episode is brought to you by uh patreon some patreon members we got matt weber i know matt weber uh, Dylan Gigliotti, mm. James Gagliano, mm. some names. So here. many Italians. Chris Gross. Oh, gross. When Chris is gross, James Gagliano. Oh, let's calm and down. And then just the real Sam. The real son of Sam. Just the real people. son of Sam. They went to patreon.com slash talking giant studios, month plus month of tears. You get to hang out with us live while recording the shows like a bunch of people are doing right now. We're talking about training camp. We're hype about Darren Waller. We're going to talk about him. A lot of talk about Darren Waller this week. Um, patreon.com slash talking giants. Bobby Skinner will send you some uh, stickers in the mail. Plus, there's some shirt raffles. Thanks to our patrons. And new Patreons over the next three weeks. Yeah, wait, easy. Wait till I get back in Florida, and then I will, I will reach out to you guys about your addresses to get you guys stickers. So. Ding! All right, Justin, uh, I really want to talk about Darren Waller, but we have to talk Andrew Thomas at the top. Andrew Thomas extended five-year, $117.5 million deal, $67 million guaranteed, the most guaranteed money an office alignment has ever gotten. Uh, Take that, Nate Solder. The $23.5 million average <laughs> annual value is a million and a half less than Laramie Tunsil, with, uh, which is a win for the Giants, and I think that's the win of getting it done a year earlier. Uh there's really not much to talk about this because this is a no-brainer. He's also here through 2029. Yeah, like, to like, yeah, did Joe Shane get a W for making this a less average annual value than Larry McDonald's? Sure. But this is the big, no, biggest no-brainer contract of all time. And if they made it $25 million a year, like, there's really, there's really no number that, that would have been like, oh, like, this contract was always going to get done. It deserved to be get done. He's an all-pro left tackle. He's got, actually taken steps every single year. He yep. hasn't plateaued at his year one or his year two level. He's taken steps every year. And something I love about him is that he is great at self-scouting. So we talked a lot about on the offensive line reports and just him last year of how, hey, I don't really punch. I kind of let the guys come to him. I invite the bull rush because pass rushers don't want a bull rush. They just don't, but unless you're Nick Bosa. Well, 
he self-scouted. And some people did start the bull rush and would get the better of him uh, here and there. And he's like, hey, I got to work on my upper body strength this offseason and got that better. So we'll see how it shows up when they start playing games. But this is the biggest no-brainer contract of all time. He's your left tackle. He's one of the best in the league. Top, He's top three left tackle in the league. And he's one of the most humble and hardest workers and smartest dudes in the building. Um, obviously, you can tell I like the guy a lot. Congratulations to Andrew Thomas. Yeah, he's a friend of ours. Um, we, we've talked with him in the in the van before, in the famous van. So congratulations to Andrew Thomas. And we typically, we try and like guys and form relationships with guys that we like too. Like, that's like part of like our little philosophy. And uh, we're really glad that Andrew Thomas uh, got what he got. Awards earned and given. Well, he got a Pro Bowl snub last year, so we're we're working for the Pro Bowl this year. Money earned and given. Um, Dan Duggan contract details: uh, sixteen million dollars signing bonus. That's a lot of money coming up front. Tom's cap hit will be around five million dollars this year, so I believe that is five million dollars less than what it was going to be. Um, he has guaranteed salaries in 2023, 24, 25, and 26, plus roster bonuses ranging from two and a half mil to five mil throughout the deal early in each offseason. So Andrew Thomas could have played this year and you know, he could have played extremely well like he did last year, and then he could have gotten more money. Uh, instead, he wanted the security, and I think it's a win for both Thomas to get that security with guaranteed money. Plus, it's a win for the Giants because if he does play extremely well again this year, he asks for more money. Yeah, this this was a contract. Like, when the season ended, and it's like, oh, how's the offseason go? I know we talked Daniel Jones, free agent, Saquon, Love, Barkley, or sorry, uh, Slayton. And my head was like, okay, but get this Andrew Thomas extension. Yeah, it's a, you're, it's after year three, it's eligible. Get it done. So they got it done the morning of camp. So very excited, very happy to have him on the team. All right, let's talk Darren Waller. He's just better than everyone else. <laughs> These first two days of camp have been so much fun watching Darren Waller out there. Because like Saquon Barkley is obviously a great player at the top of his craft. Running backs aren't really able to show off a ton in training camp. They don't tackle. They're doing more passing stuff. Like It shows up, but it's not as apparent. Watching Darren Waller is just so much freaking fun, dude. Yeah. Like It's down in, down out with this guy. You know, I know people think of the explosive plays, and he won the best in the league, but it's just it's like... It's been the opposite of that like so the, far. The quick game stuff. Yeah. You know, and he could turn the quick game into explosives. Right. That's the type of player he is. Uh, you know, we saw day one was red zone work, Justin. Like, he was dominating it. It was just like he consistently gets open. There was a time where DJ fired in a tight pass between both McKinney and Okereke tight. They both hit him, too. He bobbles it, brings it in. Um, and then today, on day two, we saw Wink Martindale. Like, this is what was really exciting me more than just red zone work was Wink Martindale was throwing his exotic blitzes at him uh, at the offense like he did in camp last year. And last year, it made the Giants' offense look pathetic. Really bad. Like, it could be the 32nd. Like, if it played like that in games, it would have been the 32nd ranked offense in the NFL. I mean, it looked really, really bad. They started throwing this stuff at them today. No. No. And I think DJ's playing with more confidence, too. And he yep. has confidence in a guy like Darren Waller to get the ball to. It's just like, okay, you're going to blitz. You're going to throw this exotic shit at me. I'm going to look at Darren Waller because I'm going to trust him to get open. And unless you're bracketing him, he's not going to be covered. And he consistent. I mean, it started out with three straight blitzes of 11 on 11 period today. Darren Waller, Darren Waller, Darren Waller. And then it allowed for other stuff. Some It created bigger plays for like Slayton on an over route. Daniel Bellinger on like a 15-yard in route. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it allowed, it allowed for those uh, type of plays, and it's really impressive to watch Darren Waller. And 
Daniel Jones already has a really good connection with him. Yeah, so day one of camp was exclusively red zone stuff. Day two of camp was second and medium, third and medium, but it was, you know, they stre- they were able to kind of stretch field a little bit where they were running from like midfield, let's just say, where they, the, they had more space to operate with. So day one, they were running with a lot of 12 personnel, like you mentioned Daniel Bellinger. They're running a lot of 12 personnel and some of the heavier stuff. You know, this has been a passing camp, too. I, I, I want to note that, too, about, uh, you know, Brian no Dable. Yet. So Brian not, Dable ramping up. Yeah. So, so like, the next po- podcast, we want to talk a lot about Evan Neal. I know there's a lot of Evan Neal questions, and I have them myself. Yeah. Just as much this is going to be a heavy wide receiver DB pod because it's been, like, a passing camp. Yeah. A lot of seven-on-seven. Seven. You know, day one, more seven-on-seven no seven versus 11-on-11. 11 11. No shoulder so pads, we'll, just helmets. We'll get into the trenches um, a lot more in the next but, pod. Oh, day one red zone. They're running a lot of 12 personnel. Okay, you want the big guy. You want the bigger packages out on the field, right? Even in a passing camp. Day two, still a decent amount of 12 personnel, even in second and medium, third and medium situations. And it was both Daniel Bellinger and Darren Waller eating and like getting space. And, you know, there was even one play of a day two camp where Daniel Bellinger had yards after the catch and it would have been like a legit 20 plus yard game, not just a practice 20 plus yard gain. So I can't emphasize again, and I know you just said it. I can't emphasize again how special it's been to see. And we're Giants fans. Okay. This (laughs) Giants podcast, how special it's been to see through two days, Darren Waller's short, quick, quickness ability to go from stop totally stopping and to get up to full speed and to make cuts and to run routes like that's not something that we have seen a tight end be able to do we've seen smart little nuance in a route runners you know, like a Caden Smith knew how to like get open and find space you know this is the, the the combo of like what we wanted out of Evan Ingram and like what you know even like the Cowboys were getting out of like Jason Witten and, and you know being able to run routes like that he's not even just like a big guy who's fast if you didn't know he was fast, you're just like, damn, that dude's big. Like yeah. he's bigger than everybody else. Yeah. Like he he really is just he's, he's not small. He's just a different player than what we've yeah. seen. And we haven't even seen the vertical stuff yet. Where I think you know, a lot in the spring, that's what a lot of the people on the beat were saying from their observations of spring is seeing Darren Waller run down the field to get targeted. We haven't even seen that yet. So I'm really excited for the day whenever Dable implements the, okay, this is going to be a second and long and, and third and long day where they're looking to stretch the field a little bit more and get closer to the sticks. Then we'll see, okay, is Waller targeted down the field and we'll, we'll be able to see the vertical speed on display. Yeah, we haven't even seen, haven't even like, seen it. Uh, like a 20, 25 yard uh, the target and we're this thrilled. Imagine when that yeah. start, stuff starts. Uh, the short area quickness, that's the phrase I'm looking through. for, is just that's been the main takeaway through the first two days of camp. Do you anything else on Waller? Should we talk about the no? The let's live, uh, live let's event. keep moving. We we got a, we got a yeah, lot of stuff to lot. talk about. So we have a live event coming up. Just do a quick add on this. There's a link in the description. Where where is it at? I will pull it up. Tell there, me. We about. have a live event for the Lions preseason game. Uh, you know, it was, it's like the playoffs. It's obviously going to be a little less intense, but I actually think that'll make it more enjoyable because we'll be able to interact and talk with you guys more and have a good time. Uh, so because Fan Fest was canceled, I really felt like a hole missing from training camp. So for the Detroit Lions preseason game, we'll be in the city uh, doing a, a watch party at uh, at uh, the bar that Justin's going to bring up. Eventually. Good time. I saw the pictures and videos of it. It looks really nice. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, tickets will be $25. I do believe it's 21 plus. And I, 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 I listen, I, I hate that we can't do Fan Fest, but I think this will be a good way to really interact with you guys. Um, so, so the I'm Midnight Theater in New York City. Um, doors are going to open at 5.30 p.m. The, the game starts at 7 p.m. 75 Manhattan West Plaza in 
New York, uh, like Bobby said, um, you know, hey, it won't be the same vibes as Mr. Purple, but we're certainly going to we're going to run that might back. Be, it might be the vibes at Mr. Purple were like intense. Let's kill yeah. somebody. These will be like, let's watch some freaking Giants football. Let's be happy. So yeah. it will be different. vibes. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, so make sure to come out. Uh, I don't know how tickets will go with this, but for the playoff parties it went quick they went very quick and we're like having people asking us for tickets and we just couldn't do anything yeah 75 manhattan west plaza new york midnight theater and the link is in the description we hope to see you there this space looks pretty awesome screens everywhere i know it was the thing at billy's you know it was really tough to see the game there's gonna be screens everywhere this is like the best of both worlds for us and what we're trying to do and then i think also even better for if you're trying to come and enjoy a giants game this is going to be even better yeah all right uh a couple things on position battles not going to talk too much about production except for nickel corner i want to talk about with the interior day one was bredesen at center and azudu at left guard which i think day one has a lot to do with seniority like i always go back to nick gates versus spencer pulley mm-hmm. in 2020 where day one spencer pulley starting at center and i'm like why yeah why did we make nick gates move the center if you're not if you're not going to play him there then day two nick gates is at center and spencer pulley never got a first team center rep the rest of the camp uh but day two, John Michael Smith's moved in the center. I expect him to stay there the rest of the camp. And then Bredesen was moved to left guard, and Azudu rotated in, but Bredesen was the starter. But we thought they might do this. Bredesen truly is being trained to be the every position. Like, he's got even a few reps at right guard. He worked at center again today and left guard. They're training him. And then Azudu, we ha- again, not going to talk much about production with office alignment, but I did yeah, see him using his hands, so that was interesting. Yep. Uh, Pinnock started day before, one at safety, Belton day two. Before we go to uh, other other battles, I want to stick with the interior for a second. We didn't get a chance to talk about this on our camp live streams. We saw six players snapping the football before the f- first practice on, what is it, Tuesday or Wednesday? What day? Wednesday. Wednesday. We saw six players practicing snapping the ball. I have never, ever seen that. And I've been, <laughs> I've been coming to camp since 2017, and that's across, like, Three different coaching staffs, four different coaching staffs. I've never seen that. And I think, I kind of think Brian Dable. Even Dever Hamilton was snapping the ball. Yeah, well, he had to last year because I think Brian Dable learned last year. I think this is part of the self evaluation and, you know, what, what this coaching staff does and what we think that they, what we love that they do. Remember last year, and we were talking about this, how like Marcus McKeithen and Josh Azudu were like the second team tackles Insane. at some point last year because one, one week into camp, while fans were still coming to camp, all the offensive linemen got hurt. All of them. Uh, Feliciano was even out for like some sort of mystery reason for for a hot sack. So that so that's your starting center. Garcia, Max Garcia was like in and out of there. I think Ben Bredesen maybe got hurt. Like everybody got hurt. So hey, if your name isn't Mark Lewinsky or Josh Azudu, Matt Gano retired. So if your name isn't Mark Lewinsky or Josh Azudu. Basically, if you're an interior offensive lineman, your ass is going to at least be able to snap the ball. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool to see how it, they're not six different centers through three teams, but before practice, they were all practicing snapping the ball. More you can do. Uh, versatility. Versatility. Uh, Pinnock started day one at safety, Belton day two. I don't really know which they, – they could start McCain day three. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and those were the the only other starter battle was Darnay Holmes got day one, Cordell Flock got day two. And this is one I do want to talk about. Cordell Flock should be the starter. He's got him. Darnay struggled a lot on day one. He played a lot better in day two, but it was against second stringers. 
but he really struggled day one. He just as people who like when Darnay's the beginning of his career in Patrick Graham's scheme was like, man, for a fourth round pick, this guy has been good. Like he's been solid enough. You can go out there and he'd be playable. And this Wink Martindale man coverage scheme, he just doesn't fit. Like he can't press guys up. He's not able to hang with them. Where Flaught Flawed was someone who I was keying in on today because I wanted to get a more a better look at the defense today than day one. And he is very comfortable pressing guys up. Like there was, you know, there was an interception DJ had on seven on sevens that started with Cordell Flot pressing up Hodgins and, and getting moving DJ off of that mm-hmm. off of that prog- uh, read in his progression. You know, he even like pressed up Darren Waller halfway decent and was in his hip on the sideline and a couple other times. Like yeah. he's. He's impressive. Now, again, it's two days of camp, so I'm not sitting here declaring Cordell Flott is your next great starting corner. But what I will say is that he should be the starter, and I don't think it should really be a battle going forward. I think he should be the guy in the slot going forward. Yeah, you feel like he's more of an advantage in the slot than Darnay Holmes, almost just simply based off of traits and his physical you traits. You drafted the guy in the third round. Yeah. You need to play him. Yeah. Yeah, and Darnay Holmes, you know, obviously not a not a Joe Shane guy, and was drafted to be in literally the exact opposite system. Uh, you know, Patrick Graham's twenty twenty scheme was, you know, everything is in front of you, go up and make a play. Where Wink Martindale is not okay. We're going to come up and make a play. We're going to come at you. We're going to punch you in the face. Um, the literally the two exact opposite defensive schemes, and I'm even excited about the potential of like Art mentioned. You know, Nick McLeod and. I know Nick McLeod. Nick McLeod could not even make the team, but I don't think that them pushing number one they brought him back, and he was like a you know a mid season post fifty three. I think men. McLeod makes it. Yeah, so I I think I picked him to make my fifty three man roster. So McLeod cross training at safety day one, and then kind of lining up at corner slash slot corner day two, where slot uh, corner was outside corners where he played last year. Um, and I think the lines between safety and slot corner can sometimes be blurred depending on what you're asked to do and what the game plan is. So I'm even excited about the potential of if Cordell Flott is pushed back to the outside and then Nick McLeod can come down in the slot. You can have McLeod go on the outside. You know, so there's there's some more depth there with McLeod there. Um, and it's some fun packages if you need to in a pinch. Yeah. Yeah, Flot's going to play. And McLeod, yeah. Like, if you ask me, McLeod or Amane Rory, and Rory makes some more. Rory is really a feast or famine guy. We've seen that. I would probably go McLeod. Like, at least he's more versatile. And 100%. Maybe if McLeod played more, he'd have the ugly film. But Amani, with all the good plays he makes, has some really ugly film, too. And he made some good plays on day two. I also saw David Sills get like eight yards of separation on a dig route. Well, David Sills is also a. Training camp king. Training camp superstar. It's unbelievable. Um, I mean, is there anything? I mean, we're going to get into a Interior lot more. linebacker, too, is another battle. Yeah, it's been hard to pay attention, but it seems like Beavers is that guy. Mm-hmm. McFadden has rotated in there, but Beavers is the starter. And it's kind of crazy how like much confidence they have in a guy who they drafted in the sixth round. Hasn't played a game I mean, they yet. had like five fifth-round picks, and they and, or like five fifth- and fourth-round picks. They drafted him in the sixth round. And with Torres ACL older, like they had, they he's. I mean, he's going to be the starter if he can stay healthy. I'm pretty confident in that. And McFadden's look really like a lot of the Darren Waller highlights in red zone yesterday were Mike and McFadden lowlights. Yeah, um, I want to. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about something first because I feel like we're just at a natural break, um, and then I want to talk about. We'll talk about DJ, and I want to talk about 
what we're expecting next kind of practice wise. And even we were having a conversation about Brian Dable and like a ramp up period and stuff like that. New field. Nobody's gotten hurt yet. Knock on wood. Um, now that we're in the thick of summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals to support sunny and, and active days. That's right. We're talking about factor. Um, hey, giant factor of this training camp. Who has it been? Darren Waller. Who else? Give me another name. Cordell Flott. Cordell Flott. Boom. But we wow, just talked so about Cordell Flott. So, uh, Trey Hawkins. Whoa, Trey Hawkins. We haven't talked about him. We'll talk about him after this ad break. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with flavorful, nutritious, ready-to-eat meals. Delivery straight to your door. I just ordered more factor. They have to be the sponsor for preview pods this year. I, I, I floated that out there. That has to You have I to be. that like, out We there. literally have a giant factor segment. I, I have floated that out there to the sales team. And I hope Factor comes through. And I hope that we, we also love come you, through Factor. Factor. So please, please join us for Giant Factor. Factor has changed my life. And it, they, it really has. A lot of times these meal plan meals aren't, like they're healthy. But they're bad. Yeah. They're really bad. And it's like, you don't even want to look at them. No. It's like, no, this looks like a fresh cooked meal. And yeah. it tastes like really good. And like, they do some stuff with like, it's, it's good. Like, I put I it on a plate. I was very surprised. I put it on like it a fancy plate, like a dinner plate. And then it's like, I don't even, my brain doesn't even associate that this is like coming from the microwave. Yeah. It's, if it, yeah, it's. And and they, it's fresh, never frozen yeah. stuff too. And I've had a really long day. I'm actually really freaking pissed that I can't go home and just heat up a meal in the microwave that I'm going to enjoy. That I actually have to take intentional time to cook my meal because I'm waiting for my new order of Factor to get to my place. Head to FactorMeals.com/slash/Giants50 and use code Giants50 to get fifty percent off. That's code Giants50 at FactorMeals.com/slash/Giants50 to get fifty percent off. That's a really good deal, Bobby Skinner. You'll be glad you did. Dude, um, if we can get them for Giant Factors on preview pods, I mean. We've made life, it. We've life made it made if we it. are getting a, a, a word association sponsor. Um, how about we talk about Trey Hawkins? I mean, he had a nice, a great one-on-one rep versus Bryce Ford Wheaton, which is, is, I think Bryce Ford Wheaton has been summed up really good in day one and day two. Day one makes this sick, conte- uh, not contested catch, but sick, goes up, leaps, catches the ball behind him, a great catch in the in red zone drill. Awesome. And then day two, he's have running some of the ugliest routes we've ever seen and gets an interception on one-on-ones, which one-on-ones are built for wide receivers. Uh, and that's kind of like, you know, we're having fun with Bryce Ford Wheaton. He's on the third string. But that's kind of like, this is who Bryce Ford Wheaton is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, awesome for Trey Hawkins, who 6'2", like six-round pick out of Old Dominion. Guy's a freaking athlete. Like, don't know what he's going to be. But I know that guy's at least got ability to be something. Yep. You know, where a lot of six-round picks, you look at him like, I, that guy Second team. That guy doesn't have the ability to be a solid backup. Yeah, he's been with the second team, uh, at least day two. That's that's where he was. So for a six-round pick, maybe you wouldn't expect him to be running with the twos, but he is. And I kind of think, rightfully so, deservedly so. And, and the, the plays in which he stood out, it's matched why we liked him from Old Dominion, you know, his physicality, you know, he's not afraid to get in your face. Um, and I hope to get, continue to see more of that. I want to see uh, some vertical stuff. I want to see, you know, I, I think he has the speed, you know, certainly put up the 40, but I want to see if he can kind of keep up with guys, you know, with now, hey, this is NFL speed. It's not Old Dominion speed. Can yeah. he keep up with the guys going down the field and, you know, not get, maybe not get too handsy and not get too physical? Right. Uh, Daniel Jones. I mean, he just looks good. Like, he looks confident there. And I think Darren Wall is a big part of that. We were talking today. We would assume Darren Waller will get some. I think we talked about this in the art interview. But assuming like Waller will get some rest days, yeah. All right, we Load could see, we could see you be good with Waller. Let's see. Let's see how you are without Waller. Let's let's yeah. run this offense without Waller and see how it looks. 
Because um, the Giants may inevitably be without Darren Waller at some point yeah. this year. The only other news point is Raheem Nunez Roches. I want to talk about one more thing with DJ. We mentioned this on the live stream about um, possibly different arm angles and arm slots. So I, I saw that a little bit in the clip that you posted on Twitter. Who was that touchdown to? Isaiah Hodgins versus so Deontay Hodgins, Banks. So Hodgins, yeah, Deontay, Deontay Banks. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, I guess we got to talk about Hyatt, too. We have time. So, uh, But Daniel Jones possibly practicing some new arm slots, um, and maybe that, that was part of like his offseason trade. I think even in some of the workout clips that circulated this offseason, he, he was trying to do some stuff. So we'll see if he can integrate that into a game. We'll see if he can even integrate that when, hey, we got the pads on, and it's 11 v. 11, and at least there's a simulated pass rush coming at you. But I'm not even talking about when he's – improvising to his right and rolling to his right and rolling to his left and doing like Mahomes where, you know, he's like an owl and his and his head is pointing somewhere completely different to where his body's pointing. Um, but I'm even just talking about from the pocket, possibly some different arm slots and arm angles and stuff like that. It seems like he's working on it. He's working on it. But at the end of the day, Daniel Jones is, I don't see that ever being a big part of the game. Right. And like the one bad play from Daniel Jones in these two days was, was that. Like rolling to his left, saw Waller on a crosser, threw it, and he just... Oh, he just yeah. he just put it over the hands of Waller for an interception to McKinney. Mm-hmm. All right, where were you going to go to next? I was just going to if we want to talk Hyatt, let's do it after the interview. Hyatt after the interview. Yeah, Raheem Nunez Rochez hasn't been out there. He's in concussion protocol for uh, a, a, uh, he was in a car accident. So we can let's let's do let's let's tease something for after the interview. With um, so here is Tony Award winner Arch Stapleton in the van. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we now welcome onto the program. First of our Camp Series interviews into the van, 2022 Kadarius Tony Award. Or Tony Award. Not sure if you're a good person, but best Giants uh, reporter presented by Kadarius Tony uh, Award presented by Talking Giants. That was a rough one. From North Jersey, USA Today, the record, Arch Stapleton. That's wow. probably the longest intro we've ever done. What's How are you up, doing, fellas? Arch? Well, for one for every outlet, right? That, that's the way it works. Uh, thanks. Appreciate being here. I don't, although, having a stare at that trophy with Kadarius's face on it after he blocked me on Twitter or oh, X no. or whatever it's called, I feel a little, little hurt, we, a little we, disappointed. We, we made a conscious effort to stop talking about the Tony Award because I think some of our listeners are like, all right, it's, it's just the, the name makes people cringe now. <laughs> but I also know, like, Tony acting this way is going to – it's just going to be it. Like, yeah, we don't like Tony anymore, but that's that's always going to be the name of the award. Um, but welcome, welcome on. Very excited to get into some camp stuff. Absolutely. Uh, Want to talk Saquon, but this is the thing that's on the forefront of my mind after watching two days of practice art is Darren Waller is, like, mm. something we haven't seen. <laughs> like, it's – you know, like today they were working some blitzes, which last year made gave the offense fits. Like not just like the offense didn't look great, like un, inoperable versus these blitzes. And now they're just like, okay, we're just going to throw it to Darren Waller over the middle, and he catches everything, and he's always open. How, like how? What do you envision for him this season with the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you you nailed it. Um, you know, there was a time where I think the Giants tried to instill the hope that Evan Ingram would be that kind of weapon, uh, but you know, Evan ran certain routes well and then he got into the Jason Garrett system and they didn't run those routes and you know so you're not going to see Waller on many comeback curl routes uh you know seven yards beyond the line of scrimmage I I think Waller opens everything up I think Waller's presence is the reason why they have 
uh, a lot of great ideas for Paris Campbell. Mm. Uh, I think Paris Campbell will be using a lot of underneath stuff. I think that fits into the Dable Kafka offense that they've tried to build here. Uh, and you're right about Waller. I mean, you come out here in practice, and you don't tell anyone who anyone is out on the field, and you notice 12 right away. Yep. I mean, that's the guy that you notice, and, you know, you're right. I got to admit, it's a little weird not talk, like not seeing Bobby. Mm. Little, I know. Little, little you don't like weird. my face? Well, I don't even see you. We're, we're like driving to Disney World or something. This we're is <laughs> the weird, yeah, this is the weirdness of the van, and that, that's what makes it the best. This is like therapy. But with Waller, uh, really the main thing through the first two days of practice is the short area quickness. And, that, and you, know, you mentioned Evan yes. Ingram where it's like, oh, the hope for Evan Ingram was to kind of maybe be this, but the short area quickness is an area that I, you know, I think fans always kind of understood that Evan Ingram never really had that, but just seeing it through the first two days, just how quick and fast and Waller can kind of cut – in those intermediate routes, I think that is the difference maker while also having the over-the-top speed, which we haven't even seen yet during camp. Yeah, that is true. I think that's a great point. The idea that, you know, he's not only making these contested catches, and even from day one, I had Jonathan Casillas, I was standing next to him yesterday when they were down in the goal line. You guys saw the seven-on-seven down there. And they he bobbled. And Waller, Waller bobbled and caught yep. it at the goal line, but he got popped a couple times. And Casillas said to me, you know, they're going to stop running that route in training camp and in preseason, he said, because as a linebacker, I'm sizing up Waller and I'm going to pop him. He goes, he wants to take that pop in October. Great. I don't need him taking that pop in August. And it's 100% true. And Dable even talked about this this morning. With a guy like Waller, especially with what he's gone through the last two years with injuries, he, you need to watch his training this summer. It would not surprise me to see him get a couple vet days. I mean, maybe he comes about. back, you know, even tomorrow night, maybe they cut him back a little bit, see where, where the GPS on his body shows, what, what they show. Um, you know, I think we're going to see that. We did see that some last year. I think we're going to see that more this year. Obviously, with the big concern of injuries, this team still had its share of injuries last year. Uh, and with a guy like Waller, the soft tissue stuff is certainly – you see, like you guys both said, you see the impact already of what he's going to do and what he's going to do to defenses. You cannot risk something uh, that's preventable. You, you can't do anything about some of the ACLs that they had last year. I mean, the Colin Johnson freak Achilles. I mean, that was weird. Um, but And on grass, by the way. But you got to watch the soft tissue stuff. I don't think they're going to push Waller. Uh, too much this this summer, and for good reason. Yeah, yeah, and we've had there's been past Giants acquisitions that you hope come in and change the offense a little bit. Well, now seeing two days of Darren Waller, I think comfortable that the only thing that can stop that is just him flat out missing games, right? Yeah, um, because he is someone who, hey, if you want to attack down the field, he'll be there. The quick game, he's going to be there. The intermediate, like he's going to be there. Uh, you know, just it's the the only issue with him is like getting him where. He's not a, a blocking liability in the run game, I think, and that's obviously not something we're going to see a ton in, in training camp. But very excited to see um, to see Waller like once he gets ready for Week One. Like he he is a player who like I love every second of training camp. Has me like okay, I, I just want to get the Week One to see that guy in a real game for the yep. Giants. And yep. because of what this team did with the tight ends last year, and let's be honest, it was. Daniel Bellinger and guys who were ultimately signed off the street and kept bringing them in, and they got production out of that, uh, more production than you would ever imagine out of that tight end position mm-hmm. last year considering the resources they pumped into it. I can't wait to see the combo of Waller and Bellinger because and, you saw a couple times today 
Bellinger was the guy who got open because Waller ran a different yeah. route. Uh, so it was almost like Bellinger was running the underneath stuff. And he was very effective last year with really nobody to take any type of coverage away from him. Uh, you know, up until that Jacksonville game when he got hurt, you know, with the poke in the eye, he had become a reliable weapon for Daniel Jones underneath. So the combo of Waller and Bellinger at tight end, I think is going to be a big part of this offense, yeah. especially in big games against teams that, that won't be able to handle that. And day one, you saw a lot of red zone stuff with 12 personnel. You're like, all right, that's red zone stuff. You're going to put the bigger guys on the field. But even day two, where they spread it out a little bit more, they were doing some second, third down stuff towards the middle part of the field where you have more room to work with. Um, even Bellinger was getting some big gains there, so, so it was fun to see. So you want to ask him about Saquon? Yeah. So <laughs> I haven't been fully caught up with, you know, hey, I've been, I've been enjoying Giants training camp. You know, we're, we're going back and we're live streaming and stuff at the warehouse. So I haven't been fully caught up in the, the Joe Shane and Saquon Barkley did just speak today. You know, you just got back from talking with Saquon and all the reporters did. So give me kind of the, the rundown on some of the, be, you know, the best of stuff that maybe Shane had to say, Saquon had to say. Um, and then also I'm going to ask a second parter right now, too. Um, Saquon says, like, he, respect has been, like, the key word buzzword throughout this entire process, right? So he feels like he's respected by the Giants, but at the same time, he also feels like the contract offer that was kind of offered to him, he felt kind of disrespected by that, but he still feels respected by the Giants. <laughs> where, where, do you, where are you on this? What's Saquon's kind of overall feeling on this? I sit on the idea, and look, Saquon's going to say what he's going to say at the podium. He said all the right things. We all know Saquon. That's what he's going to say. It's important to him. Um, you know, I think if you get him off to the side and get him a little emotional, he'd probably tell you a little bit more. You know, look, the disrespect was there. You know, when when you're close to people and you want to believe that they're your family and they care about you the best they do, you expect that when you ask them for something and they're going to say, okay, no problem. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's the hard part of the business is that, you know, as a father, if my daughter asks me for anything, yes, she's going to expect, well, that's my daddy. He loves me, mm -hmm. and he's going to give me anything. And then when daddy says no, you get a tantrum in the corner, and then you realize the next morning, well, daddy still loves me. I think that's kind of how I see it. I know it's very simplistic with this relationship. Uh, I mean, look, I go back before you guys, before Talking Giants. I mean, there was the OCU Manura and Jerry Reese stuff. And oh, I remember I got um, really toxic. OCU Manura basically called Jerry Reese a liar in legal documents around the lockout when that stuff was going on. He held out. OC would be on the bike all the time. You know, he's a legend and a ring of honor and honoree in this yeah. in this franchise. At OC's retirement press conference, he called out Jerry Reese and left. And they said the two of them had gone to the diner over here on Route 3, the TikTok, I think mm, it was yeah, at the time, yeah. and said they worked it out and that everybody, the, the media were the fools. I mean, oh, sure. come on. <laughs> everything was real. Everything was emotional at the time. But over time, they worked it out. And I think ultimately, you know, Saquon said something today in the press conference that I thought he was going to go one way and he kind of just kind of let it drop off. I want to watch the video again to see what he had said. He said, I, I looked Joe in the eye. I looked Dave's in the eye. And then it was one of those, you know, I, I'm here. Like, I, I'm here. I get it. So yeah. is Saquon hanging out in Joe Shane's office? Is Joe Shane going up to Saquon's locker after the first game? I, I don't know. I don't know if he did it last year, to yeah. be honest. So I think that's kind of where we're at. I think Saquon wants to be with this team. I thought the Giants leaned on that. And that was the biggest thing for me is that I think they knew Saquon Barkley so well that I believe that they – 
knew that gamble wasn't even a gamble on their part, that ultimately He's Saquon Barkley up. was going to be here. Yeah, well, so he didn't even miss report day. No. Like, like, and, you know, right. Like, when I saw that deal on, on Monday, Tuesday morning, I think most of our heads were like, oh, there must have some clause that they can't franchise tag him again. With the being, and it's, No, and it's just, I think, Saqu- Saqu- first of all, Saquon Barkley truly does care about being here and being part of the team, and it would have ate him alive, but also, like, Saquon's also very smart and understands his self-image and that even as undeserved as as it would be, fans were going to turn on him. That's he, just the way it goes. And it was already starting a little bit, and I, I don't think he was ready for six weeks of that. Bobby, that's exactly what he said in the press conference, to, to be honest. You nailed it, and that's another part that was interesting today is that he said, and somebody obviously got through to him and said, look, okay, you sit out. Say you sit out the entire season and the Giants lose and they don't make the playoffs, and at the end of this season, who's coming to give Saquon Barkley $15 million, $14 million? The Giants certainly aren't, and now you've angered an entire fan base that now looks at you as the reason why we lost is because you sat out. He said, and that can do something to you. And someone brought up the word legacy, and Saquon didn't mention – he didn't use that word – but I'll use that word. Yeah. He knows what his legacy He's is. He's talked about it. His legacy is, and he talked about breaking the spirit. Like he said, there are people in the league, uh, Kim Jones, and I'll give her credit, mentioned that she had talked to Michael Strahan, and Michael Strahan said the one thing about Saquon is that he just hopes through all this it doesn't break his spirit. Yeah. And Saquon said, you know, my spirit won't be broken. No one's going to break my spirit. But I think people got through to him in that way and saying, you know, you are Saquon Barkley. You are who you are. Don't let this entire thing change who you are. And that's probably as much football as it is a person and yeah. who he wants to present uh, to, to the public. And I think that's kind of the situation that they're dealing with. Yeah, so obviously you have, you know, like my, my brain goes to, okay, well, Joe Shane, hey, it's like, good job, man. You know, you don't want <laughs> to pay running back four or five years and maybe do exactly what Dave Gettleman would have done, right? So there's praise for Joe Shane to be, th- to be had there, but – you know, Bobby, you've talked about this, uh, you know, ta- how Saquon has mentioned over and over again that he wants to be a giant for life. Yep. And there are certain actions that it feels like, from an outsider's perspective, it feels like the, the actions that the Giants have taken or lack thereof does not match that same sentiment that Saquon Barkley has. It's like, I want to be a giant for life. I want to be here for life. I want to be here for life. And the Giants' actions have kind of been the opposite. So it's interesting how you say about kind of like breaking his spirit and kind of taking, you know, taking a lot of wind out of there. So what's your, I mean, what's your kind of reaction to that? What was maybe his reaction? You know, I think, I think Joe Shane's, and I've written about this uh, several times. I've written columns on Joe, and I wrote another one today uh, that, you know, Joe Shane, as a negotiator, used every tool in the toolbox that he had to his advantage. Everything that he could possibly use, he used it. He didn't freelance. He didn't say, oh, well, you know, let me me call John Mara and ask for a couple extra million dollars in order to be able to get Saquon in here. Uh, You know, he didn't go outside of the box. I mean, he, in his first offseason with true negotiating power with – cornerstones for the franchise that he's trying to build. He basically did everything he said he was going to do on day one. He gave everybody a clean slate. He looked at guys. None of these guys were drafted by by yep. Joe Shane. Yep. $371 million that got out are all Dave Gettleman draft picks. Yep. 
So what does that mean for Joe Shane? It means that he is who he says he is, that he will give you the opportunity to earn another contract. Look what he did with Darius Slayton. I was going to say, like, everyone points to Daniel Jones, but I think Darius Slayton is the biggest example of that because they were tr- actively trying to get rid of him, yeah. and they he was not part of the active roster, uh, the, the 40s. He was part of the six inactives to start the season last year. Right. I mean, so that's where I take it from Shane is that I think he knew he had to set a tone on how he was going to negotiate with his players, no matter how well-liked, no matter how popular they were. And I think it was hard for him at times. Uh, You know, he's admitted that. I think off camera, away from the podium, he may even say even more so that, you know, it was hard. It's hard to sit there and look at guys who you're counting on. And Saquon was asked this, Justin, and it's kind of part of your your point. You know, when you see guys on your team, I mean, look, it was awkward yesterday. They couldn't bring Saquon out to talk, even if they had plans to have him come talk. You've got Andrew Thomas announces, you know, yeah. they announced the Andrew Thomas. Announced. No one's looking at that going, Andrew Thomas doesn't deserve that contract. Of course he deserves that contract. He he probably would have been in his right to wait till next year, like Bobby and I were talking before the show. You know, look. May get you more. Know, may get more. Right. Yep. You, why, why, why wait for – why settle on $67 million guaranteed when you could probably get 75 or 80 by yep. the end of the season? Uh, but, you know, and Saquon was asked this today. You know, when you've got guys in your in your locker room, you know, Joe Shane showed he's willing to pay, but he's just not willing to pay you. Right. Well, how do you feel? And Saquon said, I'm never going to shortchange my guys, my friends, my teammates, and I'm all about my brothers getting paid. He said, we all recognize now that this isn't necessarily about me. It's about the position. Yep. And I think that's another reason why he's here, is that I wonder if that Zoom call last Saturday night brought some clarity to Saquon that the idea of this isn't the Giants looking to screw Saquon. Uh, maybe it's a little a, bit. It's a league-wide you know, problem. It's a league-wide issue. And like you said, Joe Shane has taken everything that has been granted to him by the league rules to his advantage. It's not like right. Joe Shane is doing this specifically to Saquon Barkley out of spite. Right, and the argument, the argument that I've seen some fans make – is the idea of, oh, come on, what's a couple million dollars? Why didn't you just give it to Saquon, get the deal done? And I think Joe Shane is looking at the long game. I think he's looking at two ways. One, if Saquon comes out and gets hurt this year and the Giants had overpaid for him to come back, he's going to get slaughtered. Shane will get slaughtered as a negotiator, and every player will think that they're going to walk into their office like they've thought about the Giants for years. They always thought that when push came to shove – John Mara slash Steve Tisch would make a phone call and the GM would up a couple hundred million or whatever it was, a hundred thousand, I said, but a couple million and the deal would get done. And I think there were still people who thought that was going to happen with Saquon and it didn't. And I think that just gives Shane the bargaining power to do his job as a general manager. And right. if you're going to get upset with him, then he's got to accept that as the general manager. And it's not all buddy, buddy. And Dable's got to deal with the locker room stuff, but you know, that's kind of where Shane has to deal with it, and I think sure. he did a great job this offseason. Yeah. What camp position battle are you most locked into? You know, I'd probably say corner, the DBs in general, but slot corner is fascinating because of the issues with uh, the contract with Darnay Holmes, knowing that he got the paid per, for performance uh, upgrade. You know, so he's right around $2 million in cap space. Um, it's kind of a similar situation that Darius Slayton was in last year. The idea, you know, the only difference is that 
the Giants needed cap space last year, you know, so that's another reason why Slayton was on the bubble. But Slayton also, uh, to his credit, has admitted that he did not perform well in the summer last year, and he put himself on the bubble as much as his contract did. I think that slot corner is a very important position on this team. I think you have Cordell Flott, you have Darnay Holmes. I think Nick McLeod may end up factoring in in, in mm. some way, shape, or form. Um, so that's kind of, to me, that's the most important spot on this defense and maybe on this team. I mean, I know everybody's going to say wide receiver right away. We all go to wide receiver, but I think that's kind of the spot. And I'm not, I think Darian Beavers wins that second inside linebacker job if he's healthy, but I don't know how much base they're going to play. I mean, I really don't. And that's why Beavers, I think will win that job because he can play in sub packages and it's not a a slap at uh, Micah, Micah McFadden, but I just think Beavers is kind of more of a wink player uh, you know, you could see him line up in some packages, blitzing on the edge, that kind of thing. So, but I, I would say corner because if Tay Banks wins that job opposite of Dory at corner, which I believe he will, yeah, um, then they have a lot of things they can mix and match with the safeties and uh, the slot corner. Yeah, funny that you mentioned Nick McLeod. Nick McLeod day one at safety, day two kind of went back to corner, which was cool to see. So, yeah, and and day one Darnay struggled uh, a, a, quite a bit. But he looked better with the second team today. Obviously, that's against second. But Flaw, I, I focused in on Flaw because I'm as interested in that as you are. And he was really disrupting a lot of the receivers, including like the, the interception that Jones had on seven on seven. That yep. started with Flaw disrupting Isaiah Hodgins and screwing up that first progression. And, you know, that wasn't a, a bad read by DJ, just a bad throw. But it started with Flaw, uh, you know, jamming up Isaiah Hodgins. And he had some other uh, good reps. So I'm, I'm excited to see if. We always have these expectations for, like, third-round picks to make this big year-two jump. So, Flaud, I think, is someone who can either be loved by week five or, or hate it. So, but I thought he looked good today. We all remember the Xavier McKinney play at the end of the Vikings win in the playoffs. But, you know, Flaud hopping off yeah. the bench and making that play on the crosser, um, you know, I think it was on that was on the third down before the yeah. fourth down. Uh, you know, Flaud hadn't played – Basically, the entire game. We just saw the other day because we were looking up numbers. It was one of three snaps he had in the yeah. entire game. I mean, so I think, and he was very young. He's still one of the youngest players like in the entire NFL. Um, and he weren't on his weight? Uh, he looks a little bigger, but I, you know what? I should have had the, the roster, what they list him at. Uh, compared to last year, I feel like you got to ask him. And then subtract five pounds. And then subtract five uh, yeah, pounds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'll have to. Uh, we'll have to get him. Uh, over the next couple of days, I'm sure he'll be requested. I'll, I'll request him uh, when we get a chance on Sunday to get him in the, the media room. We'll try to uh, how try much to weight he added on and stuff like that. That was a big yeah, concern. The, the weight qu- the weight questions are always great for for other guys. You know, when you say to somebody, "Hey, you, you look like you added some weight," yeah. and guys are like, "No, no, no oh. not really, not really." Oh, oh well. Can I ask about Beasley? Yeah, go for it. You were. Cool story about Cole Beasley. Thanks. Um, and that's <laughs> – you're welcome. <laughs> and, you know, that's a signing that I feel like a lot of fans are like, ah, Cole Beasley, whatever, 34 years old. But he's come out here the, the first two days, and he's splitting reps with Paris Campbell in the slot. And also I think him and Paris Campbell are two different players. I have this little theory that performance-wise that I think Cole Beasley can kind of fill that Richie James role last year, kind of methodically move the chains, be a security blanket for Daniel Jones. Uh, but tell us about that conversation you have with Cole Beasley and what you expect his role to be this year. I was, I was shocked, honestly, because I, I, I try not to – go in with you know preconceived notions of who guys are but we know Cole Beasley going back to 2020 has 
been battling on social media with people. Pretty and, brash, you know, right? Yeah, very yeah. very open about you know his feelings on the COVID situation and vaccinations and what the we all know not not to relive that, but the, the rules and you know why NFL players should get vaccinated, all, all that stuff. And I didn't want to make that a topic when I talked to him because I wanted to know him as a football player. I yep. wanted to know coming off of last year where he was mentally, physically, and everything else. Like you said, 34 years old, and he retired twice last year. Um, I think maybe he was struggling a little bit uh, from talking to him, uh, you know, personal-wise, family-wise. The family couldn't decide, you know, did they want to totally move. It's really the first time that he was in a situation where once he didn't get signed for training camp, they were kind of in limbo. Like, they were stuck in where they were located uh, and that's the one thing I didn't ask him where they were, but then it was okay. I'm signing with the Tampa practice squad. Do I want to relocate my family? If I relocate my family, then I'm gone in two weeks. How am I doing this? Now I'm on the practice squad. I'm not returning punts. I'm playing gunner. You know, I'm I'm doing this stuff on a practice squad. Is that really for me? Uh, so I was I was pleasant pleasantly surprised because I, I I want to like the players that I'm covering and. He was he was hum- he struck me as humble. He told me that he he thought essentially he made a mistake last year because the Giants wanted to bring him in mm-hmm. and bring him with Dable after having 82 catches with Dable the year before, and he basically wanted for he wanted to squeeze money out of the Giants and the Giants. You know, Joe Shane basically said, "I I don't have the money." I had heard four million dollars. I didn't ask Cole about it yesterday, but I had heard that's what his asking price was, and the Giants wanted to bring him in on the practice squad. Let him get his feet wet. Let him get ready up to speed and be here. So I, I was impressed with what I heard. I think he's going to come here and battle it out. And I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I don't think we see Wandell until October. I think he stays on Pup. I think Shep comes off at, at some point, probably relatively soon, maybe yeah. next week. Uh, and I think it's going to be a battle for reps and see if those guys, you know, who stays healthy, who can be in there. But they didn't bring Cole Beasley here to uh, sell tickets. Let's put it that way. I mean, yep. I think if he's on this team, they're going to find a role for him, especially with his connection with Dable. I mean, he knows this offense. So, uh, you know, he's the guy that I think would dominate in the slot. I think Paris and Shep could move outside, yes. and you can move them all around. You bring them in motion, Paris into the backfield, all those kind of things. I think it kind of creates a, a nice scenario. But, um, yeah, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised at the way Cole just attacked. He was very focused talking about football, talking about the mistakes he made, uh, you know, regrets, not signing with the Giants last year, which I did not anticipate. I didn't yep. even ask that, and he said, uh, you know, what I put in the thing, like, I, yeah, I think, I, you know, I, I, I he would have let the team he catches last year if he if he was here. Yeah, probably. I mean, I think he looks at he looks at what happened last year. He's clo- um, I don't want to say close, close off the field, but obviously he has a relationship with Isaiah Hodgins yep. in Buffalo, and you know Isaiah Hodgins was fighting to get reps and get on the game day roster, and Cole Beasley had 82 catches two years ago. He sees what Isaiah Hodgins did come here with Dable midseason, and then all of a sudden become what he became. Uh, and I think he's still a, a, a good part of this offense. So, yeah. yeah, I think Beasley is somebody I would not – like I said, there are two guys that I think people are very quick to say, ah, they won't be on this team. It's it's Cole Beasley and Sterling Shepard. I, I don't know why people still think that Sterling Shepard – now, you can be saying that I don't think he's going to make it. He always gets injured. I don't think he's going to be that. That's fine. If he gets hurt, he's not on the team. But if Sterling Shepard is healthy – 
you tell me what receiver out here, and you want to bring Waller into it, say Waller's number one. After that, Sterling Shepard could make as big of an impact on this offense as any other wide receiver that yep. are here. So um, I, I think, like I said, I think it's going to be a fun battle to watch, but I think Beasley is um, is is probably probably more of a, a factor here than maybe I would have even thought last week when, when he signed. Yeah. Now, the big question that everyone's been waiting for. Mm. What is your record prediction for the 2023 New York Giants? Oh, I got blasted last year. Everyone got blasted last year. I think year. I picked six wins last year. But that was that was the most common pick, and yeah, that might have been like on the high side coming out of camp, and then the... <laughs> It was really fun to tell everyone every week, like, you lost, you lost, you lost. <laughs> that was Especially that was Smeal, funny. Smeal, you know, Smeal took the political, I don't care, I just want to see what they do well. And I was like, you know what? We made the playoffs. You should have cared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I was reminded, oh, well, you picked them for six wins, so you can't talk about how good they are as a playoff <laughs> team now. Like, okay, all right, fine. Um, you know what? I, I think I'll, I'll put this prediction out there. I think, obviously, injuries can change things. I think they beat Dallas on that opening Sunday night. Whoa! Number a- one. Uh, I think they were a lot close last year, a lot closer than people remember in that that Monday night game. Right, but the the Thanksgiving was a little weird. They kind of kept it close late. Dory Jackson not being there. Anyway, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, but but Saquon makes that touchdown run into the third quarter. Giants are winning that game. I mean, you know, they let that one get away. Graham Gano missed a field goal. That game-winning drive at the end would (laughs) have, instead of a game-tying drive, would have been a game-winning drive. Anyway. Right, right. And, uh, (laughs) of course, Dak wasn't playing for the Cowboys. But, anyway, (laughs) uh, I think there are, there are situations where I think they can come out of that those first three games two and one um, I think that's possible uh, I think they have some games that are going to be difficult but look last year at that schedule if you had told me the back-to-back Green Bay and London and Baltimore here at home with no buy yeah. because remember all oh, they declined the buy they came back to play Baltimore and oh they were going to get shredded you know by Rodgers and, and Lamar uh, and they won both of those games. Um, so for prediction, I'll say, I'll say they're tied with the Cowboys in the division, split the series behind the Eagles. Again, the NFC East will get three playoff teams, and I'll say the Giants have ten wins. Ten and seven. Ten and seven. Yep. No tie prediction this year. No, no tie. That really I mean, there shouldn't have been a tie last year either. I mean, come on, John Feliciano, what are you doing? Yeah, it, it's that was frustrating because. Uh, I'm undefeated in Giants games I've attended, and Danny King, Danny King was on like a five-game losing streak of games <laughs> he had attended, and we both went to that game, and they tied, and it kind of like didn't end either one of our streaks. An unstoppable force meet, met an immovable object. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Art, where can uh, I know you got the podcast going? What do you got coming up uh, down the pike on that? Yeah, I got the podcast. I haven't booked our first guest yet. Maybe we'll have to get you guys on it at some point. I we got, we got a van. We have a van. I was going to say, camera, I don't, and I, we have microphones. I don't think you can fit in my Jeep Grand Cherokee, but we'll, <laughs> we'll try. We can we can tailgate. Um, so we'll do some some stuff this summer. Hopefully, uh, maybe kicking around the idea of doing like a fan forum with with the podcast, taking on the road a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I, you can find all my stuff on NorthJersey.com. We're actually starting a weekly newsletter, which I think is really a, a cool thing for people who just want. You know, I don't want to pay attention the entire week. I just want everything delivered to me once, and then I could pick and choose what I want to read. Uh, so that's going to be delivered every Friday morning. It'll have all my links for the week and then the link to the podcast and stuff. So uh, check out my my Twitter slash Instagram or whatever. I'm art at, uh, at art underscore Stapleton. One more thing. 
you did win the Tony Award last year. Are you gonna put? Correct. Are you gonna put an endorsement behind anybody? Who did I, I? I you know what? I tweeted this a couple weeks ago that I joked and I said I was gonna endorse them, and it now was I can't El remember. Jefe. It was El Jefe. I don't know if El Jefe qualifies. Technically not. Um, I have thought about just turning Danny King into a beat reporter. Yeah, Danny King. And just picking him. <laughs> um, um, you know, I think there will be people battling for it a little bit. Um, you know, I, I would imagine at some point I will throw, throw my weight, considerable weight, behind someone. Uh, but right now I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to lay low and see what develops over the course of the season. Did you DM me when I tried to break the news? I didn't try. I did it. I broke the news that the Giants were playing the Panthers. Yes, I preseason did. Preseason game. Did you DM me and be like, I don't know if this is right? No, no, I didn't. Somebody I, DM me, and I'm going no, to find me. them and call them out. <laughs> I just remembered that. No, it wasn't me. I said I didn't know it was right, but good for you for, for nailing that preseason game. That was, uh, that no, was you awesome. Didn't, no, I, somebody DM me and doubted me. No, and I'm going to find out who, and that's Maybe why you're Jordan. a Tony Award winner. I think I didn't doubt. I didn't doubt you. I think it was one of those things where, like you know, one of those press conferences when Saquon Barkley talked about you know uh, going and peeing in a corner in the field in in Chicago, and I remember you that. know we we debated whether or not that was actually real. I remember that. Uh, I think can never tell <laughs> with you guys uh, talking Giants whether or not you're legit, which you are. Anything we anytime we've ever said per sources though, it's real. <laughs> anytime we've ever done that, guy, we we haven't met anything up yet <laughs> but you and love busting us too for when wherever we that that's part of the joke is, is i mean that's part of the tony award that you guys start really started the award to kind of make fun of the beat right i mean well, that, it was really just the, what it was well it was just because you guys had the good guy award right. we had the not sure if you're a good right. guy award <laughs> right right but, it's, but now it's just a real award like it's, it's a real award it was a, it was a it was a joke for 10 i have it i, I have the t-shirt in my drawer i wore it when i came on with you guys uh the last time yeah yeah oh yeah that's that that, that's real. Like Trophy that's and Duncan card? Did you use I the Duncan card? I got card? the Duncan card, and ha- I think I did use it almost immediately. So. Perfect. Very nice. All right, Arch Stapleton, we appreciate you. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks, fellas. Hey, Sula, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, thank you to Arch Stapleton. That's Tony Award winner Arch Stapleton for joining us in the van, and I honestly hope that Art Stapleton will join me. I actually invited him to uh, to where I will be on Saturday night watching the Spence and Terrence Crawford fight. Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford fight. That's right. What were you about to say? I was just going to say I'm l- looking forward to watching the video tomorrow. Yeah. To see how much more red we look in this dark studio. Yeah. The lighting, it really sucks versus in the van. Because the van, I mean... The studio makes us look like beat red. Wow. You know who's beat red in Las Vegas right now? Dan Canobio and Chris Algieri, because they are there. PPV sent them there, um, and there's going to be a chat. If you go to ppv.com, it's the only streaming platform where boxing fans can participate in a live interactive fan chat hosting by boxing experts, and that's our very own Dan Canobio and Chris Algieri, and legendary boxing writer Lance Pugmire. I don't know why I had such a hard time with that word a couple of days ago, but that was like, it's Pugmire. Like that's how you say it, Justin. PPV.com is the most convenient, most reliable, most engaging way to stream pay-per-view events. And there are no subscriptions required ever. You can download the PPV app, PPV.com app to all of your favorite devices that you can watch on your computer phone. And of course on your big screen TV, you think art's going to come to hang out with me Saturday night to watch the fight. Yeah. 
Sure. Are orders Spence Crawford on PPV.com right now? Believe me, it is the very best way to watch this fight, and you do not want to miss out. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Be glad you did. Uh, what do you want to say? Thank you, Art, for coming on. Thank you, Art. Uh, what do you got on Hyatt? Yeah, so Hyatt's had an interesting first two days. A little bit more low moments than high moments. But, hey, I mean, this is a guy who we knew is third-round pick, and we knew that he was going to be a little bit of a project just because from the offense that he came from at Tennessee. Um, You know, hey, the the Cowboys wide receiver coach saying, you know, oh, can you run routes? And a lot of Giants fans have rallied behind Jalen Hyatt saying, oh, I can run routes. It's like, yeah, I love that confidence in you, man, but we got to improve the route running, and that needs to be part of his game. I've seen a, a good amount of slips and some difficulty maybe catching the ball. Um Jalen Hyatt today started to look a little frustrated. He's been running with the third team, which I don't, it's not a huge indictment on Jalen Hyatt. There's a lot of guys in front of him that have been around the run of the league, that have been around with the Giants, number one. They've been around in Brian Dable's system. Like, hey, like Cole Beasley has been around. Um, there's just a lot of guys in front of him on the depth chart right now, and he is a rookie, and he needs and he needs to grow. And he has gotten some first-team reps. Like, the second day, he did get some yeah, first-team reps. Yeah, he got a few. They threw him in there with a fair few. So he did look a little frustrated at uh, some point during the, the second practice. And there was a couple points where Brian Dable, like, ran across the field, wrapped his arm around him to talk to him, and just kind of, I, I don't, it, it, seemed, it seemed like he was frustrated. And I don't necessarily know what the exchange was. Wandell Robinson winds up coming up to him and kind of slapping his chest too, saying, "Hey, it was you'll be after our- he was wide open down the field. Yeah, he he, he burnt whatever yeah. Zion Gilbert. Or whatever and Tommy DeVito is throwing is throwing the ball to him on that on that third string and that third team. So I mean, hey, I mean, a theory can be this is probably the first time, maybe ever, that Jalen Hyatt has been like on a third string, third string on like a depth chart, and maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it, that was, I, I went on with the big blue banter guys a couple of days ago and that was like the one thing I just asked him. I was like, what, what do you, is the expectations for Hyatt? Because they're all over the place. Cause he was projected to be a first rounder by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We know the giants were very willing to take him in the second round. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it's a, just a very crowded wide receiver room and he's got stuff to like the, like the stuff that he needed to work on. Showed up the most in red. It shows up the most in red zone where yep. there's timing. Every there's everything's you know, got to be work, so perfect. Every step matters, and that showed up. But then you also saw the speed. Like the reason he's mad is because when he was he he burnt dudes yep. like and it was open and it like had a couple steps on him, but just the ball didn't come his way. So mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see where they find a role for him, um, at least early on. Like obviously injuries and stuff take care of itself, but it'd be interesting to see what his role is. You know, the first quarter of the season. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm excited to watch him in preseason. I mean, wide receiver, I, rookie wide receivers are like one of the most fun positions to watch in, in preseason. Yeah. Maybe Tyrod Taylor would be throwing him the ball. And that would, I, yeah. I think that's kind yeah, of fun. That's what we need to do. Taylor, we were joking. Like last year, they just did not blitz Tyrod Taylor in the second team at all. And they're doing that to the second team now. And it's like, yeah, this is a lot harder mm-hmm. on the second team than it yeah. was last year. All right. Anything else, Justin? No. All right, we will be back on Tuesday. We'll be back Monday with player profiles and projections. Right, and also I'm serious. Check out these live streams because the live the, the podcast yeah, tonight, we try tonight after the practice will be live. Yes, we try and be a little bit more organized for the pod, 
and not talk about everything. But the live stream is basically, hey, we have 35 minutes to just go through our notes and go through our brains and just spit out anything that we saw, anything that we observed. So if you want more of like what happened on a day-to-day basis, um, check out the live streams. They're all on a playlist on YouTube and they're all easily digestible by being like 30 to 37 minutes. Yeah, try and keep them 30 minutes. I mean, they're literally just like training camp article reports. Yeah. And, and Except you don't have to read. Yeah, which Reading's is like for suckers. key for me. Reading is for nerds. All right, we'll see you then. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you when we see you. Until then, let's go big blue.